All right, welcome back to Last Week Chopped Up, episode two, here with my boy Jeremy, and we're going to chop it up about the news of, of last week, as we always do. As always, we mean the second time we're doing it, but you know, we're, get, we're getting in there. Jeremy, how, sure. hey man, <laughs> where, where are you sitting, man? How are you doing? Man, you know, just doing my California tour. I'm down in LA right now. Um, if you're on YouTube, you see this wonderful Zoom background for the one day it the sky was orange in San Francisco. So ne- ne- never forget <laughs> right. that one. But uh, yeah, man, just enjoying this California life. Well, hey, we got a lot to stuff to talk about. As everyone uh, should know, is uh, this is the format here is we're, we're lifelong friends. We grew up in Houston and we always will chop it up. That's what we do. And so we figure, might as well, hey, do we have a, you know, we'll record it, see if it's interesting. And, and we've been liking it so far. And so a uh, little bit of the format is we have our screw up of the week because it's chopped and screwed. We have our European news of the week because I'm sitting out here in, in the Netherlands. And otherwise, we talk about tech, we talk about sports. And so let's, let's jump right into it. So let's start with like a softy, Jeremy. March Madness. Now, when we were in high school, this was our straight up jam, right? This was our jam. When we were in college, it was our jam, even though you went to SC and it wasn't quite your jam. But it was my jam because we were winning titles. When I was there, we at least were making making, uh, regularly... Uh, yeah, tournament, yeah. you know. Yeah, so I was down with yeah. that, and you know, I have boys down. on the, I have boys yeah. on the team too. And trust, I gave them a lot of, lot of shit when I was like, "Y'all really go you lose to UNC Wilmington for real?" <laughs> I remember, I remember, that. <laughs> I remember you texting me like, "Yo, my boys is yeah." No, I I remember that. I don't know you were tight with the team, but it was our jam. And and so now Selection Sunday just happened. I followed it to a certain extent. But where where's your head at with this right now? How are you a week one hype kind of guy? Or are you a wait to the finals or wait till the NBA prospect? Are you are you just simply I'm gonna watch it for the NBA prospects? I don't really care about the college teams kind of guy. Man, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know Selection Sunday what Sunday it was. <laughs> didn't care. I guess I did see some of the you know conference tournaments happening. You know, for me this year, honestly, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Not this year. The last few years, yeah. kind of like college sports in general. Like, what am I? What am I? Do? I I don't care. And basketball to the yeah. most because you're like, yeah. All right, anyone that's good is one and done. You probably shouldn't even be playing. College. No, play in Australia, play in Israel, play yeah. somewhere else, right? And I do like what the NBA is starting. We're trying to have that premier G League team where they'll pay them like up to half yep. a mil a year. It's like, hey, let's not fool anyone. Uh, this whole quote-unquote student athlete thing like you're coming here for a year and you're leaving you're a professional like you're only and you don't need the one and done guys to put a product on the court you can have the four year you can take all the one and done guys out and i still think you have an audience it's it's lesser but there's still a demand for it in college towns now i think yeah so that is it college towns. so i think that might work in chapel hill and duke and norman oklahoma and la and USC, UCLA, if you ain't got some names, it's like, pff, yeah. all right, dog. Like, why am I but watching that's, this? Th- I mean, let's not get it twisted. This is upon us. There are guys going to Australia. This was not, I remember when Brandon Jennings did it like 10 years ago, and everyone's like, he's ruining his career. You know, now, shit, you know, Lamella went to Australia, right? Yeah. I mean, like, we're, we're, there are more guys in the top 10 picks probably in five years playing in the – PBL in Australia, whatever the hell it's called, and there will be playing it, you know, Kentucky or UCLA. I mean, well, this is – why would you not get paid a half million bucks? Why would yes. you take that deal? So I think that's why this G League thing they're spinning up because in the next – they haven't said the exact draft, but it seems like in one of the next two or three drafts, 18-year-olds will be back being able to be drafted. Yeah. And now, you know, since the G League is much more a minor league for the yeah. NBA and two-way contracts and stuff that didn't exist before – 
you know, if you draft a young kid and he's not credited for the NBA, it's like, all right, cool. We'll see you in the G League for a month, call you back up. Like, and there's no shame in it now. Reps, it's no right? shame in it. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, any top, probably any lottery first-round pick, it's like, yeah, you're probably going to, at least for a while, they'll test you out in the NBA. Yeah. But if you're yeah. a late first-round pick, it's like, yeah, man, we're sending you down for whatever. You're no, still you're making your $4 your, yeah. million. Dollars. Like, yeah. it's not affecting your paycheck, but you no. need to get, you know, play with other folks. So I think long-term is going to be great. You know, like, you know, I don't know if baseball is the, the perfect model, but at least it's good and like, hey, you don't, we're going to draft you and help you grow, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think in the very, very long term, basketball in the USA might approach what soccer in Europe is. Yeah. Like, all right, we actually got this kid when he was 15, like, but we put him in our system. But, you know, I mean, Americans- how much of that is not happening today with Adidas and Nike as the in between? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, for real, they're they can pay to all these AAU teams. Yeah. It's just that, like, it's not a, t- it's not the no, Dallas it's not a Mavericks. Fit. No, no, it's, it's different. If the Mavs are like, you can sign people when they turn sixteen, and there's there's an eligibility period where you choose either sign early or go to a draft type deal, right. and it's your sort of risk management choice. I, if you're a big star, maybe you go to the draft. You don't need the cash because Nike or Adidas will give it to you. But if you're more on the fringe like it's like well baseball when can you sign a dominican republic player with age is age of 16 right and it, yeah. it's how it yeah right so and there's precedence out there i to me college basketball is not a good product to watch if we're being honest if you have access to nba basketball i mean i don't think this is controversial at all if you like it for other reasons like strategic reasons and stuff like that i can see the argument from a pure product perspective i, I i'm not a huge fan yeah, and as the you know the talent has decreased or one and done, and I think that'll increase over time. Just like I, don't, why do I, you know, y- your involvement at least with college is to me much more. I like this team, you know, yeah. or this program. Um, but we're just like, all right, I don't, you know, random kids of whatever quality are playing. It's like, eh, yeah, nah, I'm good. Like I'll catch them in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, would you? So, to me, college football has a watchability factor because the game is so different. The offenses are so different. And arguably that's true in college basketball, although I'll say not for the good reasons. Like, I don't really want to see, um, you know, triangle Princeton offenses that these teams run. But what would you do if you're college? What, how do you survive in this market? Because I agree with you. In the college towns, sure, it's going to be fine. But in the coastal cities, it's already losing appeal. I would say arguably versus the 90s, it's probably dropped off quite a bit already. What do you do now? The G League's up and running, paying kids half a million dollars a year. What do you do? Or, or uh, is it just you're relegated to that smaller sample? Yeah, so I think you got to do a couple things. One, if you're at one of these big colleges, if you're at Kentucky, let's look at Zion. I think if Zion goes to the G League instead of playing at Kentucky, he is, I don't think he's as popular as he is now. So I think your exposure yeah. level is still okay. different. You know, no, if that's a... You know, three years until the G League has the popularity. I don't know. I can't really call yeah. on that. But I think yeah. that's that's a great call out. But I think they need to change the rule set in college basketball. Like the women's and men's that's what I'm is different. You. Like the yeah. women play four quarters. You know, it's like a regular basketball game in yeah. the NBA, not this two half twenty minute crap. And I yeah. think if they're like, hey, we're gonna put the three point line at the NBA level. And yeah. I don't know if you're in college basketball, make a four point line. I don't know, like, or yeah. get rid of that's uh, what I'm saying. Get rid yeah. of uh, the side yeah. that you're like, hey, we are a bit more experimental. And I think this yeah. idea of tradition is what will take yeah. you down. You got to be yeah. new, innovative. Like, make me watch. Be like, oh crap, that guy just took a shot from the 
you know, like uh, the, the the three point contest. No, this, this, it's like he took the, a from the shot Curry from the four point spot. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah like, exactly. Oh, that gets yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. you know? No, I, I'm with you. Four quarters, 24 second shot clock. Do some wha- do some rule stuff. Do some with the defenses, maybe with the lane. Open the court up a little bit, but. I think they got to be more innovative. I mean, look, you can complain as much as you want about college baseball using metal bats, but you know that people are watching it to watch the balls fly out of the park if they're going to college baseball because they know they're going to see a 10-7 game, and they do not want to go see a college baseball game, like National League 2-1 game, right? That's not why you're going to it. So, like, I feel like you got to do something like that because it, it's a, I think a tipping point is coming because, yes, Zion can go to Duke and get more publicity from being there. But there's so many guys that would take a $200,000, $100,000 paycheck to play in the G League. And I think that's better for everyone involved rather than the sham of quote-unquote amateur athletics. I think it's the right thing. I think it will happen. There's too much money to be made by doing it the right way from Nike and Adidas. If they don't have to have all of this amateur athleticism screwing up, what they really want to do is find a guy when they're 16 and sign him to a five-year deal. So when he becomes a superstar at 21, they have good economics on that deal. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. Like, you know, college basketball is so coach-centric. And I want to see how the coaches evolve. Because I don't yeah. know if you know this. Like, this year, uh, Duke, trash. Kentucky, yeah. trash. Yeah. Right? Like, these traditional Carolina barely made the tournament. You know? Right? Yeah. And it's just like, hey, I need a reset. Like, hey, uh, Coach K or, you know, Calipari, if you're yeah. not a top 10 team, like, well, I'm paying $10 million for, like, do we need to, you know, reassess no. what's going on here? So at least for them, I'd be advocating for things getting weirder because you're like, oh, we weren't good this year because they added, they got rid of the corner three, they put in the four point yeah. line, we got the European lane, like yeah. a lot yeah. of changes. That's why we yeah. suck. Right yeah. now, it's just like, hey, you suck. Why am I? I'm a booster. Not only why am I helping pay your eight million dollar salary, but I gave a hundred thousand dollars to this kid over here. What am I? Yeah. What am I getting? Yeah. I don't think you're getting a good ROI on that right now. And you can see it's hurting them. Um, I'm with you. And you don't see, like, you know, say what you will about someone like Mike Leach in football at Texas Tech, but they he opened up the offense and he did something people weren't doing in football at that time. And it makes the college sport more compelling. Name me a college coach besides the Grinnells of the world in D3 that are, like, shooting a three three ball every two seconds or whatever. That's too gimmicky. Show me a college coach that's really teaching the NBA stuff. They're not adopting offenses in the NBA from college. In the NFL, they are. And I think it's a big difference for me. Yeah, for sure. I think what you uh, see – well, one thing I can say is, like, the Kentucky players in general, the ones that get dra- – like, they do pretty well in the NBA. Um, but what's yeah. not spotted, like, I think Devin Booker's a great example. Like, that dude wasn't handling the rock run and pick and roll all the time in college, but he gets the NBA, yeah. and everyone's like, oh, wait, this kid can be the primary ball handler running pick and roll and scoring 25-plus points a game in the NBA? Like, huh, unexpected. So I think, you know, a bit more of when you have that talent there, like, yeah, hey, we're putting in a NBA-style offense, you know, yeah. I think would be yeah. beneficial. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, we'll see. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm still going to watch, like, basketballs on. Like, when I love the first weekend where it's like, okay, from, I don't know, 8 or 9 a.m. my time to, like, yeah. 8 p.m. There's a game on. So, like, okay, while I'm in between my Zoom meetings, just take a look-see over. Like, okay, let me see uh, whatever random team yeah. uh, playing It's right still now. a compelling spectacle to watch the smaller teams of the world have their shot against the Blue Bloods. It's Blue Bloods. It's still compelling. I'll oh. still watch it. 
every year. But will I follow college basketball carefully based on these changes? I'm, I honestly, the answer is ultimately no for me. I, I'll watch the tournament. I'll follow a few of the players. It will be to me. It's going to become a late bloomer type league type situation where if you're a late bloomer, you go to college, stay four years, maybe you get good. Just like in baseball, where you didn't get drafted first, second, third round, and so you go into the college system versus guys that did. And I think that's where it's heading. And there's a place for it, but it just is a little further back in the national consciousness. But yeah, I don't know. We're we're seeing it. All right. So college basketball, we sort of are a bit salty on, but we're going to watch it. Now, we're, at least in the Netherlands here, we're almost exactly a year into lockdown life. We've been now on a lockdown for the past five months. We had a respite in the summer. A year of COVID, Jeremy. Now, let me ask you this. Going into COVID, let's imagine, we'll fast forward back one year. What did you I think, think I, was going to happen? That a rewind. Actually. Rewind back. <laughs> what? Thank you. We'll, we will not edit that. Rewind one year. What what do you t- what do you tell yourself going into it, man? It's a year ago. I remember we talked almost right at that time. What do you t- what, what surprised you? What's different? What do you tell yourself? Yeah, I think uh, just looking back, I really tell myself, man, you got to be prepared for the long haul. Like I yeah. thought I was getting ready for the long haul when we got you know told to work from home. Telling people like, hey, man, this isn't going to be a week or two. I'm like, get ready. I'm thinking this will be six to eight weeks, right? I'm like, ooh, let yeah. me get my desk ordered early. We're going to be working from home. I can't just be on my couch for that long. Um, so I think you just tell yourself, you got to be really prepared for a different life for a long period of time. Um, yeah. But also looking back, I, I think I give my, tell myself more opportunities since everything is work from home, Zoom. Like, man, work from anywhere. Go, yeah. go to Hawaii, well, you know, yeah. before they I've never like, done it before no this year. Go I, here. Or, no. Or, yeah, or it's like, hey, go live in Tahoe for a month or yeah. Phoenix for yeah. a month or throw a dart at the U.S. and just go live there because it doesn't matter. What do you if, need? Electricity and uh, good internet. That's it. If 1920 to 2020 was the 100 years of the mega city and of urbanization and certainly in human history that would stand... Is this the point where the mega cities are going to start flatlining or declining? Now, they've been growing rapidly. Property values and population have grown faster in larger cities in the U.S. than any other place. Is this the year that changes or um, is it ultimately something that won't slow down that trend uh, to the extent that it will change that dynamic? Do you, what do you think? I think the trend continues because if you uh, I think ultimately if you want to if you enjoy city life, you want to be in the city yeah. now. For me, it's like, hey, does that city need to be San Francisco? No, no it can be Seattle, Austin, yeah. Los Angeles. You know, you pick whatever city yeah. you want to live yeah. in, right? But I, I just because you don't have to live in SF doesn't necessarily mean you want to live in, you know, middle of nowhere, Nebraska, right? Like, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, it's I, cheaper I there, but I, I don't but, have the interest. But I think but, the optionality of, hey, okay. I can live where I want, yeah. not I need to be tied to this specific uh, location. That's no. the freedom, and I, I think that's long-term. And while the suburbs, you know, of um, the city's got a bump and people moving there, and uh, certainly housing prices increased, like, San Francisco's not going away. L.A.'s no, not going no, away. I, Seattle's I, not I, going away. But I, the I only agree. thing might be rent. You're like, hey, man, um, I'm not going to pay you $4,000 no. for a 850-square-foot no. no. uh, place in no. SF with uh, – no patio, no dishwasher, no washer and dryer, and no elevator. You're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing that it, anymore. It should help balance the distribution, right? Your, me- your top of the tier cities should come down a bit. The, the next tier in line, I mean, if you think of a place like Denver or Salt Lake City or Portland, Oregon, 
um, you know, uh, Sacramento, California, start naming them. I think these are the beneficiaries. I agree with you. I don't think it's Des Moines and I, and I don't think it's, you know, Wichita, but I do think, I do think the the sort of the next in line will benefit. And I think it's when we, the mega city, mega rent, like London and Tokyo, I do think it will take the heat out of some of those markets. They'll still ultimately be the most expensive places in the world, but I think it'll take a little heat out, but I'm with you. I think it's a change, but not a change around urbanization, a change around where do you need to live in New York, San Francisco, Tokyo? And I think that will change. So, you know, we'll see. I think uh, Austin probably an interesting case study because it was popular before growing. Yeah. Now a lot of tech is moving there. So I think uh, a, a lot of the San Francisco or, you know, other, yeah. other cities like this pain is about to ratchet up in Austin for sure. So it'll be uh, interesting to me. And I think Denver but, as well. Like these yeah. kind of, I, I don't know if I would say secondary tech cities. I don't know if that's the well, I didn't. Word, I didn't. But, I didn't use that word. I think you used that word. Living <laughs> in San Francisco, I did not right, use that word. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but I think generally, it's so costs are going to go up for them. So now I think a lot of the supply demand issues that we have here could be, you know, pop up there. Yeah. Um, but to them, it's also great. It's like, all right, you don't want to live in downtown Austin? Fine, go live in Round Rock. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that yeah. I I agree. I think we might see um, a, a shift not in, in in suburbanization of home offices and, and things like this. I, I agree with you, but back to that point you made about the long haul. Now you tell yourself brace for the long haul. Me personally, I was not as braced for the long haul as, as it ended up materializing. And now I'm struggling to think, where are we at today? Because I have a picture of my wife and I at the start of COVID and I'm looking at that guy's eyes and he has no fucking idea what's about to happen. And he thought, oh, a couple of months, we're going to sweep this up. I was looking at all the science, but I just fully believed it would be our experience in Europe and the United States would be more similar to the experience ultimately prevailed in a place like Australia or Japan. I thought that's what was going to happen. It didn't. So what's, what's in store for us now, man? So we've a year, not a lost year, but a different year. But what's the next year hold for us? I think the next year, man, is, uh, you know, look ahead to to. F- to freedom, you know, I think in yeah. the next, you know, two to three months, uh, if you want the shot, you got the shot. Um, yeah. You know, you're feeling safer, travel, move around. Uh, will we probably have to get boosters or yearly coronavirus shots? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I yeah. think uh, if we take it, you know, from being this pandemic to this is just another disease we have to deal with every year, like the flu, people are used to that. That, yeah, pe- they are. you know, we've got a framework for, hey, you can take a flu shot. Now, it's not like we have. 90 plus percent penetration no. of the flu shot right but no. and people die from it but you're like okay if you get the flu like if you're in good health you're probably okay yeah and i think yeah having that perspective is going to open up the world but um man people are itching to get out and oh my and goodness stuff, and not just you know day trade on robin hood no. or the other no, no, things no. they want to go do stuff no <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I think that I know very much. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to seeing you. I haven't seen you. In oh man, get in on out here, brother! Ben, you get know? on out here. So I, as soon as I kind of get shots in the arm and the world opens up, telling my boss I'm taking two weeks off. I'm gonna be yep. in who knows how many countries in Europe. Yeah, because yeah. man, I think now everyone's just appreciating living life more. You're like, you know what? Bro. I gotta go do stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. I I will say this. Um, I did not appreciate at all. Uh, honestly how shitty prison would be because <laughs> you know because be, and i don't think anyone did because being on lockdown with access to like netflix and food delivery is still like psychologically like 
we're breaking. Like, I'm, I'm damn near breaking, bro. I'm breaking. I'm having days where I feel, like, depressed and stuff. I'm not trying to make a joke out of it. I feel that way sometimes. And I, I live with my wonderful wife. I have this access to all this stuff. I can go for a walk whenever I want. Man, prison must be just brutal. What do you think? Are you? I mean, I'm, this, I think it might affect crime rates. If I'm in the public service, I'm going to say, you know, if you don't like COVID lockdowns, prison sucks way worse. That's my message to kids, you know? All right. Well, okay. I didn't, I didn't quite bring it to, to prison, but I think it's interesting because I think what a lot of, at least for me, uh, I do not have a wife in the house with me, so I was all the way alone alone and and that's at least unless you're in solitary in prison you at least get some amount of social interaction which hey you know i know we're you know i'm having zoom calls with people zoom dates like hey it's wednesday let's have wednesday wings over facetime and and goofy stuff like that but at least i know this is going to be weird to to say it here like in prison you get some social interaction like you can you know talk to people um so i think that you know, isolationism or just, hey, whatever, whoever's in your house, that's it. You yeah. know, that thing is the thing that was a real killer. Um, but I know what I did learn is if you, in lockdown, if you were a couple and you had a dog or dogs, that was the number one winner. Because people, yeah. people with yeah. young kids were like, oh, my God, how do I take I'm trying to work and these kids yeah. want whatever PBJ sandwiches I got to go make or whatever. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm just chilling here. I got to throw some food to my dog. And it's a Man. great excuse. You're like... Hey, I gotta take my dog for a walk so it can yeah. shit. No one can so I can't you. make this meeting right now. No, no. <laughs> do- dogs, huge COVID winners, um, unquestionably. Interesting your takes. I think uh, apparently you rank like at least a low security federal prison over uh, <laughs> isolated lockdown, which is interesting to me. <laughs> Don't go out there and commit tax fraud to get in, get locked up. But uh, that. That cracks me up. But uh, no, man, I'm with you. I think we don't talk about mental health stuff enough. And being, you know, being alone, that must have been tough, man. I hear you. But also, I I just think it's been hard on people. And I think people will appreciate it more. I think it will be in our cultural memory. I think we'll be, I remember that year we couldn't do shit. Let's do shit. And I'm with you. I want to do stuff. I hope the demand pops off for for our business and everything like that too. But now I'm with you. I want want to see you out here. Uh, Speaking of being out here, man, let's uh, let's get to our segments. What's our... uh, you know, we got our screws chopped and screwed, our screw-up of the yeah. week. Yeah, what, are we bringing, what are we bringing this week? Man, there were uh, so many screw-ups. There's some contenders. Yeah, There's some contenders yeah. out there this week. There's some idiots right, out there this right. week. So I was just uh, – yeah. Now go for Honorable it. mentions? Yeah, what you got? Yeah, yeah. So honorable mentions. One, uh, again, I don't know your exposure to American news, but <clears throat> great screw-up of the week. Uh, there was an announcer at an Oklahoma girls high school game. So, Ooh. you know, there's this whole – you know, kneeling during the national anthem, you know, started Kaepernick and then yeah. NBA, WNBA. It's like, okay, this is now just, you know, a nice form of protest and recognition. So some yeah. girls team did that. And, yeah. oh, we got a hot mic situation. Uh, our, our, I don't even know this guy's name, but they're kneeling. The guy thinks the mic's off. He, his quote, they're kneeling? Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Norman gets their ass kicked. Fucking niggas. Woo! No, no, and and if you're listening on the podcast and you can't see us, Jeremy is black. Just I'm gonna go out there with a black disclaimer. Jeremy is black. Right. Uh, I I will not be using that word, but Jeremy is using that word. But right. oh my god, I did not hear that. Yeah, I, I I am approved. You know, I have the the card has been issued to me from Black Association. Yeah, the black uh, so community. I have yes. to sign off. But man. That that is why it's a white guy saying that. That's a white guy saying that. Obvi, obvi. Yeah. So you know that happens, but 
to me that that is not even maybe the the best part of the story. So he does his usual <laughs> hot mic. Oh, apologize. You know, I shouldn't have said yeah. this. Yeah. But out of character for me, blah blah blah. He does yeah. the the hey, you didn't just apologize. You're trying to back it up with a explanation. Do you know what his yeah. explanation was? I could, I can't imagine a defense of this, but go ahead. This man says, "You know I have type 1 diabetes, right?" <laughs> My, 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 my blood sugar is kind of all over the place. So when I got a, a sugar spike, I, I, I get disoriented and I, I say things that aren't appropriate. So if my sugar levels were normal, I, I wouldn't have said something as inappropriate as that. Wow. My man blamed diabetes that is... for racist comments. <laughs> like that's up there on, on the spectrum of why you say this racist shit? My blood sugar. I'm like, you know yeah. what? Almost yeah. got to give you a plus one for yeah. just dropping the bravery. wildest yeah. thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I didn't realize this because I've, I've met some people that I, I, they might be diabetics for all I know because I've heard, I've met some racist fools. I didn't realize I should be recommending them, hey, go, go see your general physician because your ass might have diabetes because you seem to be saying some racist shit. I didn't know that was a, that was a correlate. I was uninformed that this I mean, is uh, apparently uh, a correlate. Shit, yeah, if it was that easy, I'd be like, shit, well, we all get y'all diabetes checked out. We cure this motherfucker right now. Let's get racism oh, out man. of here. Just check your glucose and... Uh, just, just a little <laughs> insulin close up the, the racism. Yeah. <laughs> We've had institutional racism for 400 years in America, and it, all it took was a little insulin to clear the whole thing up. It's just, a, it's just a bit of exercise and a bit of insulin, and the racism will... All that blood sugar problems, man. That, I'm in for the rest of our life. That's got to be an inside joke, man. We walk someone by and someone's tripping and we say, I think they might have diabetes, but we mean right. they're racist because that is some ridiculous. Okay, that that's a hell of an honorable mention. I know we had another one lined up as an honorable mention, uh, hailing from the great state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, who it, at this point, I think that, you know, listeners, viewers have heard um, this guy basically has run a toxic environment. He has sexually harassed seven people have come out and he's, you know, bring as the governor, a 25-year-old woman in his office and say, do you sleep with older men? Do you have a boyfriend? All this stuff, obviously pressuring these women. To me, in my eyes, he should resign or be impeached. I'm done with the guy. Then you add on the fact that he's hiding nursing home deaths and cooking the books on COVID. And of course, that seals it. What, how do you feel about this? this? This guy is just screwing up left and right. Yeah, so it's crazy uh, what happens over a year. You know, before it was all, hey, this guy's not Trump. New York's going bad. Like, yeah. he's actually talking about it. Like, all right, let's go Cuomo. Him and his brother had their funny, uh, like, CNN talks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now it has drastically changed. Like, hey, we're hiding deaths. Um, apparently for the last 15 years, you've been kind of in a, at least making women feel very uncomfortable. Uh, I, you know, we aren't there. I can't say the specifics. But as... As your numbers start to go up, like, I'm not saying this guy is Harvey Weinstein, but it's like, okay, there's one person, there's two person. And then you're like, all right, he's at seven. My yeah. guess it doesn't stop at seven. You're like, something no. like the number's so big. You're like, I don't know exactly what you did, but you did some stuff. But you did some shit. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right? And, and, and this is the governor. I mean, half his citizens are women. I mean, you want the governor to hold themselves to a high. You and I have been working professionally for 15 years. We would never think of doing anything like this because it's just straight up wrong one time. And he's obviously done it a lot. And he's the governor for shit's sake. I think he should resign. If he has any self-respect, he should resign. But apparently he's going to, you know, try to stick it out and have to be drugged out of there. I don't know. At this point, Charles Schumer came out against him. AOC came out against him. I mean, what, what, who else can? That's it. Those are the two most prominent New York politicians. So, you know, I don't know. 
yeah, um, dropped off a little bit there, but um, yeah, you know, so uh, all I'll say is, um, you know, we'll sit back and see, uh, but it, it's it's real quick to go from uh, being on the top of the mountain to the bottom, you know, uh, that past always I, comes back. It can happen. It can happen. And I think our, our, our number one screw up of the week is also our European news of the week is this just debacle with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So what's happened out here is the regulatory authorities in many countries have pulled the approval of the vaccine because of the tens of millions of people that have gotten it. Ten people have reported blood clots. Now, these have not been linked to the vaccine and appear to be at the same rate that you would expect in the population. Despite this, they've pulled the approval, which has shattered public confidence in this vaccine. To me, it just feels like an epic screw up where you have to understand that there's a marketing game here. And if you come out and pull the, the approval like this, who's going to want to get this shot now? They're not up on the science of it. They just heard it got pulled and now it's back on the shelf. I feel like you've got to sort all this out ahead of time. And unless you have distinct evidence, we're talking about not vaccinating people. And I'll tell you what definitely kills people is COVID. So I don't know how you feel about it, but it seems like this has just been a debacle from the beginning, from their own screwed up trials to this moment. AstraZeneca, which is a, a Swiss British conglomerate, right? It has just kind of screwed the pooch on this one. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting because, you know, I'm not I don't know if there's certainty that this is a ca- like this is causal or the amount of no, blood does, clotting that's happening yeah. is you know more than you would expect for this jab yeah. and this many people in the arm but it's yeah it's certainly a hey uh this is highly dependent this is like, i think the cheapest or one of the cheapest it vaccines. is the cheapest one that i know of yeah high distribution so it's like hey if this if there are problems here like this is big i mean i don't yeah. know if maybe if this were to, <clears throat> excuse me, actually have issues, if it's like, hey, we got to go to J and J, or I don't know, maybe you're like, hey, the Russian and Chinese vaccines, like we got to distribute. So to me, it's more of just gumming up the works, right? Like, hey, we're yeah. trying to get people out, and like this is slowing stuff down. Uh, I did hear yeah. the WHO still recommending it, saying, hey, they well, are. this, this they isn't, are. Uh, you know, at a rate that would be problematic. So I don't, you know, I don't know what to do other than saying, like, man. If any story that isn't shots in arms is, is like no, a negative. It's setting right us now, back. Right? And, and, and here's what I think is happening. The regulators are using the same litmus test they might use on some flu shot or something that's never in the news. And it gets pulled for two weeks and it gets put back online when they double check everything. And no one ever heard about it. And it's not front page news, so it doesn't do anything. So they're using that same playbook. But what we have here is front page news. And so we have overall confidence in vaccines, which could be hindered, the confidence in this specific vaccine, which could be hindered, and slowing down the rate of vaccinations, which you point out, all of which based on the abundance of caution approach. I flip it around. I would say, you want to stop jabbing people in the arm, you better have an abundance of fucking evidence because it you've given this shot to tens of millions of people and you're, there's not robust evidence of any causal link. And if there is a propensity of one in a million, it is clearly lesser than the lives saved by vaccinating those people. And it, it you know, one in a million people every day die of accidents in the U.S., one per million people about. So literally you'll have people dying of car accidents driving to the thing. That is sad, but ultimately it's part of the a part of the deal. So I think it's just the biggest screw up because they're treating it like a, a bureaucratic, well, we always do this process, but it's a front page news process. They need to respond to that. And they need to, and they need to, they need to learn from that. And I just think they're, they're screwing it up. So that, 
that's our European news of the week, which you do care about this week, and it's our screw up of the week. So AstraZeneca, the the Anglo Swedish conglomerate, and uh, you 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 are screwing up, and so you heard it here on last week. Chopped up, you're screwing up. You're uh, you've been you've been put on blast. So uh, we have that, and so. Yeah, what else? What Jim? What else are we gonna uh, talk about this week? I know we usually do our tech news of the week. And what what else are we gonna are we gonna uh, chop it up about? I mean, I think I think we dropped the jump the tech news. You know, there's just yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there's been a tech news that I feel like we just can't not talk about at this point. because yeah. at least over here, it is just everywhere. So you know, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't heard yet of an NFT, that is, I feel like the 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 acronym of the of the week, the month. Hell, it might be the 2021. Uh, so NFT is a non-fungible token. I guess we haven't really talked about this before. No, we haven't. We uh, just the prep you, for the to the call. That's it. Yeah. Are you very familiar with them? Do you know what a non-fungible token is? Y- you told me about it, and the the show notes or my familiarity <laughs> that you prepared. That's all I know. The show <laughs> preparation. So okay. I, and I read that someone paid sixty million in Bitcoin for for one. That's all. I read that in like my Reddit feed. That's all. Sure. I know. Sure. So uh, I guess I'll give a very quick rundown of it not that i'm an expert but in general uh i think everyone knows or has a pretty good idea what the blockchain is there's enough yep. talk about ethereum uh and the other crypto bitcoins lately so you know hey it's a ledger it's generally out there in the public you can look at all transactions to see what's going on what's been interesting with this nfts is um essentially you're taking a, a digital good associating it with some uh, bit of code or mm-hmm. bytes of code on a blockchain and associating ownership with it. So um, this could be a tweet, a GIF, a YouTube video, whatever. You're like, hey, this, it could be this video we're recording right now. And we say, okay, as the authors of this, uh, we're gonna sell this off on name your favorite blockchain or place to sell it. Anyone who bids on this has the cryptographic signature uh, to the rights to this. So now you have quote unquote ownership and this idea of ownership we'll have to come back to on this topic. But um, yeah, so essentially trying to have sort of digital uh, ownership of, of things. And to me, the easiest way to explain it to folks is like, uh, hey, you know, like trading cards or sports cards like, oh, I got a LeBron rookie card. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, one, you, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You physically own it. It's limited yeah. in how in the quantity that was created. Um, but when we go to talk about what is the value of that LeBron rookie card, that's a different topic. It, right. It's not easy to assess the value. And, and that's where I think people are trying to unpack, like, you know, what's the value of owning this, you know, popcorn popping gift? I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell you that. Just like I can't tell you what's the value of a, a Kobe rookie card. A Kobe rookie card sold for $1.8 million, I believe, last yeah. week. Yeah. I don't know what inherently makes that worth 1.8. Kobe was a popular guy. Uh, yeah. The piece of uh, paper it's printed on certainly has no value, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I think that's where, um, one, I get the NFT push and trying to, you know, explain this trading card thing to folks is like, hey, this is how value is derived. You know, what's the value of other things we say have worth? But um, the idea of what do you own to me is still very much in the air. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one to me because, you know, I'm an economist by training and I hear something like this. So of course, for something to have value, it has to be scarce. For it to be scarce, you have to be able to assign ownership and limit supply. And this sounds like technologically there's a solution, just like a trading card company will only print so many cards. And typically, 
if something's not useful in the means of production, it's enjoyable to possess, put on your wall and show off with it. Um, seems like kind of this could exist here. You can imagine a big screen installation and it's the this is the only one in the world. But how unique it can be is to some degree, you know, just like in art, art is a reproduction of a Picasso is not worth what a Picasso is worth. But the set of people in the world that can tell a Picasso reproduction from Picasso are frankly only serious art appraisers, right? And so what if the same thing starts happening here with the copycats and only people that can tell the difference are cryptologists? Like, what, what does that blow up the market? It, it hasn't blown up the art market, but, but for reasons that are at least somewhat mysterious because um, economic theory said it would. It just becomes like a very prestige good or something, right? So if it's a prestige good, that's one thing. But if it's a general population beanie baby situation, I, I don't know. You sort of will happen what happened to Beanie Babies, which is a bunch of other people start producing things that look like Beanie Babies. Those are copies that are good enough to the original. That drives prices of the originals down and the market collapses. So it, that will happen or it will become the Picasso thing. And I, I don't know which one will happen. I sort of predict market collapse. I, yeah, um, I think what's different from the physical world is you're not making a facsimile or a close copy. You're literally reproducing the exact thing. Like I can go download the YouTube video yeah. Yeah. and post it anywhere else. And I haven't, you know, made it close to it. It's like, no, these are all the bits. Like this yeah. is all of them. <laughs> like this yeah. is the exact yeah. thing. And I think that's where things get weird. Now, if you're saying, Hey, I want to use X YouTube video in a commercial who owns the rights to this? Who do I pay? That type of ownership you have, right? So you're not really limiting sure. access because many of these things are like tweets, YouTube videos, yeah. GIFs. You're, it's not like, yeah. um, I don't know if you remember, uh, what's his name? Martin Screlly or whatever that one, terrible yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. he had that one Wu-Tang album. So like there's one. Oh yeah, 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 I remember right? that. Yeah, yeah. So that is that's the one album. Yeah, right? but it's if like, you, yeah, literally yeah. One, or one MP3, but yeah, it's like, yeah. this has not been distributed on the internet previously. It's like, yeah. hey, here's this, whatever, flash drive, and that's the album. You lose this, it's gone, you know? Um, but that's not that's, what we're talking about here. That is not, right? And I think the secondary point is, what do you actually own? Like, so, hey, I have this GIF, I sold it on whatever random Ethereum yeah. chain. I'm saying, all right, you have the signature for this. But what, what prevents you from selling it on another chain? What do yeah. I actually own? Because most of these NFTs, you're not actually buying the asset. You're buying a token associated with something else. So you own this token. That's not the thing. So you don't, you don't have any trademark rights. You don't have any intellectual property rights. For Nothing. many things you don't. I don't know if you heard of NBA yeah. Top Shot. That's really been taken off lately. It's their yeah. take on this. And, you know, it's kind of the trading card thing, but you're, you're buying clips. So it's like, oh, yeah. hey, you're buying a clip of LeBron dunking on this or LaMelo's first assist or whatever. And they have built-in rarities. But you don't own the rights to sell this clip no. to someone else from the NBA. They own it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is like – so here's the thing. Do you think people find things more fun when there's a cost associated with it because it then becomes prestigious? Because – we, you know, you and I could have been collecting NBA clips for the last 20 years and we could have like, I have the most amazing library of dunks and you'd be like, that's pretty cool, you know, but we weren't and I don't think many people were, but now you put a price on it and it's this like counterintuitive, like upward sloping demand curve, whereas the prices go up, my demand goes up, which exists in the economics textbooks. Those are associated with prestige goods. Um, only prestige goods have that. Now, 
I don't know, is that what's happening here? Are things more fun when you have to pay for it in certain in certain settings? Is that what's going on here? Top Shots is fun because you're paying for it and it's right. exclusive. So I think in this uh, pandemic world, I think people are bored, you know, like maybe they're like, huh, I don't feel like day trading right now. So what's something yeah. else I can do with my time yeah. and money? Oh, let me buy these digital assets. This is new. This is fun. I can be on the yeah. cutting edge. So I think some of it is for sure that. I think this is a space where we don't know. As a concept, I think we say, okay, um, having some amount of scarcity of digital goods, like this is needed. And this is not new, right? If I like, you know, no. I'm, I'm in gaming, I've been in games, like this is an exclusive skin, right? Your avatar, yeah. Yeah. there's only, let's yeah. say 50 of these skins, you might be able to win. Yeah. We're like, okay, great. Yeah. We're creating a market out of a thing we just made up because yeah. people think it's cool to walk around like daredevil and it's exclusive, in it's this worth world money. or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So to me, this is kind of an extension of that. Now this whole marketplace aspect, which has been used a ton in games, is like a different twist on it, but I, I don't know how to put a value on what some company is called a super rare Bradley Bill uh, saving a ball from going out of bounds clip. Like, okay, I, mean, I well, guess that since you only are selling five of these, I guess it makes it rare. I don't know what makes this interesting or unique or damn sure no. not worth 10K to me, but no. if you look at it as this is a, a commodity or a Bitcoin, right, and I'm just trying to derive value and I think people will pay me more for it, well, you're really acting on that. You don't care what the asset is. You're just like, I think people will pay more for now. Arbitrage, right? Buying it now, sell it more for later. I don't care. <laughs> right? but, the th the, the, but when you have goods that do not have an intrinsic value, so for example, gold has a very high intrinsic value. The price of gold what might get a little detached from that, but ultimately it's an incredibly valuable metal in production. Um, and, and so is platinum. And so those metals are really valued a lot for their industrial production value value um, unlike diamonds for instance that don't have as strong they do have industrial production value but uh, uh, substitutes do almost as well here when you don't have the intrinsic value you have big fluctuations in price so one of the things that i think a lot of our listeners might not know is the trading card market that we're referencing completely collapsed about year 2000 and all the prices fell by factor 10x and no one wanted to buy trading cards because the set of people that gave a shit were baby boomers and us to some extent mm -hmm. and and then those set of people stopped giving a shit and that's th that the prices went down by factor 10 so it's sort of like to me, always going to be a bit of a bubble if it's not intrinsically valuable. Um, and the exceptions seem to be the super high-end art and stuff like this, where there's just a, a growing segment of super w rich people that's outpacing the fact that this is kind of boring and dumb to me, you know? And it's just like there's enough. So it's like two competing effects, and that's growing faster. The super rich people is growing faster. But I'm, I'm going to come out and say, I know we usually take our pick. We, we'll make some calls on this show. We'll come back and see how right we were. We were salty on, um, what's it called? Clubhouse. Uh, uh, Clubhouse, yeah. And my boy Nithin, who was like, I can't believe you name checks on the show, is like, ah, he gave me an invite a day later, super awkward. Um, and he's like, oh, Jeremy, your show, you and Jeremy's show is pretty good. You should do it. You should do it. I was like, no, nah, I don't know, man. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm selling here. I think this is going to be more Beanie Baby than playing cards uh, in the long run. But I, I'm selling. Are you selling or buying? If you just had to take a call here. So I, I'm buying in the long term. I think okay. uh, having value on digital assets is something that has to happen. The world is increasingly becoming digital. So okay. a lot of these previous constructs, you know, we need a digital version of those constructs. And I, I think that will, uh, you know, this will be that.
Um, but yeah, what timeline are these prices? I don't know. And I don't know if you know, the trading card values have actually come back a crazy amount in the pandemic because people are bored and they're all about trading. I had no idea. Cards. I had no oh. idea. I got a drawer full of gold then in North Carolina, if that's true, because uh, I love that. Sh- I love that. <laughs> I love that. I had no idea. See, what? It wasn't yeah. in the pre-show notes. Right. We missed it's a, it. Uh, it's a thing again. So um, just to wrap up NFTs, I'm in long term and add right. on Justin's uh, little bit on what's the intrinsic value. I think that's a great topic for us to cover on a future tech thing because we could say the same about Bitcoin itself. What is this intrinsic I fully value? agree, <laughs> and let's let's take it up next time. We are at our, our self-imposed time limit because we do try to hit 45 minutes left, so we are there. Jeremy, pretty fun shopping up with you this week. We kind of got – we kept it a little more serious. I know we had some topics that were less serious we'll have to introduce next week, but it was, it was pretty fun. Any parting shots for you? Uh, no, man, it's always good chopping it up. Can't wait to see how we evolve this here show, man. And uh, hey, listeners, catch us next week. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, whatever it is. Uh, please, please catch us next week, and we'll, we'll see you soon. All right. See y'all.